Welcome to the Marchcast, presented to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Before I get started, I'd like to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They are always online at bfwdenver.com. You can go there to get a bottle. Uh, if you want to pick yourself up a bottle or many, uh, they've got the the reds, the whites. But, you know, hey, pick yourself up that 2017 Cabernet or the Blake Street Blend. Both of them are excellent, but they also got uh, uh, Rieslings. You know, they got some Zins. They've got basically everything you need, including whites and blends and uh, rosés. Just everything you need to make it a great wine-consuming experience. You can also go down to the Dairy Block and have yourself a good time. You know, if you go to bfwdenver.com, you can book yourself a table. If you're like, you know, want to make sure that uh, everything's safe, and particularly if you're vaccinated, now's a good time to get down there. Um, fall in Denver is a fantastic time. Absolutely fantastic. And now's a good time to get down there before the weather turns and uh, just enjoy yourself some time out with your friends. Once again, they're located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Moisee, beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado. Just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They're always online at bfwdenver.com. Pick yourself up a bottle, get yourself some swag, book yourself a table, or you can book one of their uh, virtual wine tastings, which are very, very popular in the winter. Uh, so check that out when you get to there. They're on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. When you go in or you talk to them, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast I sent you there. What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast, part of the CSG Network. I'm, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. Um, okay, uh, I've got the whole week, well, maybe not the whole week, but most of the week planned out, um, which is unusual for me. As we, you, If you listen to the... Uh, um, the uh, podcast I did with uh, Nate and Ross, uh, which may be a thing in the future. Uh, just kind of, we don't know yet. We, we'll see. Um, but uh, we were talking about it, and uh, Nate was complaining that I never planned when we all did it. And this is true. I never I never planned anything, which is just kind of how I go, because my brain is filled with a lot of trivial knowledge. But uh, I rarely put forth a plan, which I probably would benefit greatly from. But anyway, I have planned out most of the week. Uh, today uh, is going to be a result of the games that happened on Friday. The Nuggets beat the uh, 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 the uh, San Antonio Spurs. Jeez, that tells you something about me planning. Uh, they beat the Spurs, and uh, but it's more than this. I kind of wanted to talk to you about uh, the Sixers playing the uh, New. I was going to say the New Jersey Nets. Wow, uh, the Brooklyn Nets. And uh, kind of give you that, like, basically that night is all you need to know about the differences between Nikola Jokic and a Joel Embiid. And this is something that should ha- is, has gone all the way back into multiple years of playoffs with Embiid. And it's more than just raw stats, and which can be deceiving. I mean, you could point up any scat and, and think that my narrative here is is false because you think that... Um, uh, the performance-wise, the, the 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 stats bear out a certain way, but I'm v- talking about something very specific that happened in both games, and how that unfolded, and what it basically showing the difference between Embiid and Jokic. 
two guys who play the same position uh, play completely different ways, but they both have something um, that is like counteractive to each other at the end of games. Uh, and I'm going to kind of start with uh, Embiid. Um, going back to last year's playoffs, one of the problems that uh, the Sixers had, which is something that process lovers have a hard time getting through their heads, is that uh, Embiid has ridiculously low stamina for a 40, you know, eight-minute game. By that, I mean he, I, I think maybe it's a result, I don't think he's out of shape, uh, but I think it's as a result of probably him exerting quite a bit of effort in the quarters that he plays. There was a, there was a quote from someone that said that uh, Joel Embiid was good for two quarters, the first and the third. And uh, the second and the fourth, he's just basically a turnover machine, which is oftentimes a result of lack of concentration, which springs from basically a lack of stamina. And what you have seen from Nikola Jokic, on the other hand, is someone who's just able to, to tough out something uh, in a way that you don't see from most centers. Embiid, down the stretch against the Nets, was really kind of meh. Um, and goes back to last year. What people forget, because they focus on Ben Simmons uh, missing, or not missing, but passing up that layup, um, was Embiid was a turnover machine. And... A lot of it was just him just not having a lack of concentration. I mean, the Danilo Gallinari took his, stole his lunch, basically. And uh, one of the steals that basically sealed the Game 7 from the, for the, uh, or excuse me, Game, what was it, Game 6? Game 6 for the, uh, for the Hawks. Or was it 7? I don't remember. Um, but it basically was the icing on the cake because Embiid, wasn't it, it was one of those things where Gallo just, just it kind of like it, it, the steal against um, Steph Curry was a little better for Gallo. Remember that in 2016? Um, Gallo tried, I mean, Curry was hot dogging it, but that was a good steal by Gallo. This one was more Embiid just not paying attention. And Gallo stole his lunch, and it was. It was interesting to watch, and I, it, I've been noticing this for a while with Embiid. And this is very consistent going back for a while. Now, there are instances that you could point to that contradict what I'm saying. I'm, I'm, I have no doubt. Anecdotally speaking, though, I've seen Embiid basically kind of wind down to a great extent by the fourth quarter. And what you saw against the Nets with as the Nets were going coming on this big comeback, which they were, you know, the Nets were down by double digits in the fourth quarter, and come roaring back, and end up um, winning, beating the the Sixers, and a lot of it had to do with the fact that Embiid was kind of a nothing, and it was kind of interesting to watch this because I was going back and forth between this and the Nuggets game, but I really wanted to finish the Nets. Um, the Nets game, the Nets uh, Sixers game, and it was stunning to me how how much of a non-factor Embiid was in the whole thing, like playing against a team that was basically using Blake Griffin as center, 
And it was it was interesting how that kind of unfolded. You know, you get Harden hitting a big three, um, all that stuff. But the, I mean, look, uh, even without Simmons there, the 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 Sixers have great perimeter defenders, and he they should have they should have been able to at least have those bases covered a little bit more. I mean, they're a good defensive team. However, you know, the Nets have a, a tremendous amount of talent on that team and made, um, really made the Sixers work by the end. Durant is superhuman. But they couldn't rely on Embiid to get them points down the stretch. And they couldn't keep up with um, a barrage of just the Nets being the Nets. Maybe this is where Simmons would have come in handy for them, to be quite honest with you. But on the on the flip side of that, Embiid is not a guy you can rely on to hit hit you those big buckets. And I'll on the on the other side of the uh, the DraftKings read and the break, I'm going to talk to you about Nikola Jokic versus the Spurs, and how Jokic basically. With just hitting fadeaways and Sambor shuttles uh, down the stretch, kept the Spurs from ever getting close enough to where it uh, made a difference. And it was a big-time clutch performance from Nikola Jokic. And we'll talk about that on the other side. But first, I want to talk to you about DraftKings Sportsbook, um, an official sports bar- betting partner of the NFL. Uh, today, as of this recording, there's a bunch of NFL games that are going to go on. Um, and NFL fans hungry for big win this week, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner in the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's that simple. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also get skin in the game with uh, single-game parlays. Uh, Parlays are very good at getting you that extra money. Um, my co-host on Morty and the Sharp, uh, Pat, he is a very big fan of parlays. Uh, and these uh, same game parlays uh, are a really, really, really good way for you to boost up your bet and get a lot of extra money. Uh, continue multi- uh, Combine excuse me, multiple bets from the same game uh, for a bigger payout. The more uh, legs you add, the more money you can win. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win. Uh, with You win if, excuse me, if they win. God, I can't talk today. You win with promo code MHS this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Okay, now it's time to kind of talk to you about Nikola Jokic. Um, Jokic was an interesting case, uh, and I, 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 I f- it's interesting to me, at least in a macro sense, how little respect Jokic gets for doing what he's very good at doing, which is being clutch. Remove all the rest of it. Um, and I have some concerns about the way the Nuggets approach their offense, and I think there's some unsustainability to um, being down Jamal Murray and over, over, overly relying on Nikola Jokic. 
that's a different subject for, well, probably tomorrow. But on the flip side of that, uh, Nikola Jokic is an extremely clutch player because of one factor, well, two factors that, I, um, that I'll point out. First factor is that he's got stamina out the wazoo. He did even when he was uh, significantly more overweight than he is now. He's not. He is much, much, much more in shape now. And he is a, uh, you know, he's a guy who, that's, it's just, uh, you saw it when they did that triple overtime game against the, the Blazers. By the third overtime game, uh, Jokic was just, you know, you no, know, it was a quadruple overtime. Well, anyway, um, he played 60 minutes, and by the end, you know, you reach your limit. Even the most p- full of stamina people will <laughs> just wear down by that point. And uh, Jokic was significantly less in shape than he is now. But you saw him just not lose that. Uh, you saw him not lose that energy and... Uh, to just basically make it through the end of this game. Part two of this is that something that uh, Michael Porter Jr. said on his podcast with um, J.J. Redick is that Jokic's heartbeat never rises over a certain level, um, and which is kind of a nebulous thing to say, but Jokic, uh, you can't speed him up. He will get upset. You saw that in game four against the Suns last year. Um, but he, he's, he's just, he's not gonna, he's not gonna speed up his game. Um, and a lot of times speeding up is where you get, um, mistakes and you can speed up Joel Embiid. You can fluster Joel Embiid because of various factors, but you can do it. You can annoy the hell out of him. You can do that to, to Jokic a little bit, but inevitably it's just annoyance and it's not speeding up the game. He doesn't press. He doesn't, he doesn't go over the top to prove a point. Um, Jokic is competitive in a different sense than most people who are NBA players. He is competitive in a way that is, uh, a natural competition rather than a game competition. Um, you can tell that he just is, he always considers it just a game, and he'll never get that anxiety. Um, you know, Car- uh, to, to, to compliment Carmelo Anthony, I mean, Carmelo Anthony was like that at the end of games. He just wanted the ball because Carmelo played at a certain pace. The way you got to Carmelo was to guard him with guys like Al Thornton, who he didn't respect, and they would guard him close and tough, and he would just get personally offended, and that is the way you could speed up Carmelo Anthony. Um, but with Nikola Jokic, there's nothing you can do to get him that way. You saw how Jakob Pertl and Eubanks were guarding him very close. They were guarding him in a um, way that DeAndre Ayton was, but you saw that in game one uh, against the Suns, and then you saw it again in game two against the Spurs. You just, Jokic learns, he knows exactly how to, to handle you, and it uh, he adapts it. But what you saw at the end of the game, as the Jokic made bucket after bucket, was you just can't rattle him, and his shot is always the same. Um, guys who are not, like, full of anxiety, they don't rush, and their shots aren't... Um, they're, they're not... Well, they're not... Their shots... 
with say, say with Nikola Jokic, his mid range stuff is deadly, and then and in a threes obsessed culture that we have right now, his approach to it is very simple. Down the stretch, a lot of players will lose their nerve, and what Nikola Jokic does is never lose his nerve. And in that case, a turnaround mid-range shot is more valuable than an anxiety-ridden three. Let me say that again. A turnaround mid-range shot that Nikola Jokic has is more valuable in that sense, in that in instance, than an uh, anxiety-ridden forced three. And that's something that needs to be said over and over. The Nuggets were able to hold off the Spurs... Because Nikola Jokic just wasn't rattled, and what you saw, I mean, and the point I'm making here is that you saw the difference between Embiid and Jokic perfectly essayed on Friday night. Jokic just couldn't be. Jokic couldn't be worn down. Jokic couldn't be taken advantage of. Jokic had a steady pulse throughout the whole thing. I'm not convinced Joel Embiid has that. And you can rush Joel Embiid. And it's very interesting to see the difference between the two. And look, I can't believe that Embiid didn't get more crap for how badly he played in the second half of that last game against Atlanta in the playoffs. And it's because conveniently... Ben Simmons has allowed himself to be the lightning rod. But when in reality, Embiid played like garbage. Absolute garbage in the second half of that Atlanta game. And was completely able to become exposed. And it's interesting to watch. And interesting how these narratives shape. And uh, I'm going to be looking in this, uh, in this next couple of games. The Nuggets play the Cavs. On uh, on uh, Monday, but on Tuesday they play the uh, the Jazz. I'm going to see how the Nuggets choose to approach uh, Jokic with rest and all that stuff. I don't think he needs it. I'll be honest with you, folks. Jokic, Jokic, after he takes a day off, is he he comes back and he's really rusty. Um, I don't know how much of that you want to see this year, but we'll see. Maybe it'll preserve him. You never know. All right, thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast part of the CSG Network. I'll be back, well, soon with another episode. Ta-ta.